0: It's time for To The Last Drop podcast with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell.
1: It's a week away from the World Cup and uh, it's been a wonderful week for Springbok fans. We're back. This is To The Last Drop. I'm Brendan Nell and I'm with Liam Delcom. Liam, I don't think we could in our wildest dreams have expected what happened at Twickenham on Friday night.
0: No, uh, it went for a better than uh, better than expected. I mean, it was one of those where it was difficult to make a prediction uh, when you looked at the two uh, lineups because the Springboks went with a lot of experience up front. The All Blacks seemed to have a bit more experience in their back line, a couple of absentees in their pack, uh, and we know, of course, now how dangerous they can be with uh, even if they don't get. Um, you know, fifty percent of the ball, they can still, you know, make away and, and cut teams to shreds. Um, so it was difficult to uh, to come to a, a a point where you where you conclusively will say, you know, before that game that you know, Team X will win it. Um, but the Springboks left nobody in doubt. You know, after ten minutes, right. I think we were sort of uh, all in agreement this game can only go one way.
1: Now, no, I mean there's been a lot of takes on that box. But I mean in the box sides like that, they in superb form. They they dominant. They I don't think there's any team on the planet that could have probably touched them on Friday night, the way they were playing. Um and I think I think the one thing they obviously learned from what happened in Auckland. They went back, they they targeted the, the breakdown where they got beaten and and they made sure they had didn't have the slow start they had in Auckland, came out firing and and probably could have been more up. I mean, they were over the line twice, tackled out mm. twice um, in that first twenty minutes. It's, it's a hell of a dominant twenty minutes that they had.
0: Mm. And let's be fair. I think the All Blacks defended exceptionally in in uh, in that period. Obviously, eventually you know, the mistakes came and the penalty count went up. Um, and there were cracks in the dam all well, and obviously eventually it it broke um but yeah, it was certainly a compelling performance uh, from the especially from the South African pack, which incidentally is also the by by my calculation certainly the the most experienced uh starting pack they've ever assembled um but increasingly they have found other ways. Um, you know, once that pressure is applied to, to, to apply finishing touches, mm. uh, and that has been a very encouraging element uh, to their play. Uh, there's no doubt whatsoever that Springbok fans should be quite enthused by what they saw last week.
1: No, I mean, to me, I, I mean, I don't think it really matters to the Springbok management whether you know, you lay down a marker before the tournament or you make other teams yeah. sit up and notice. They're definitely not going to go into the tournament now unnoticed. They, they will um, pretty much be <laughs> uh, almost one of the favorites for the tour- tournament. And, and, and I suppose they need to wear that tag. And, and I think that's something mm. South African teams have struggled with over the mm. years is wearing a favorites tag. We like to be backs yeah. against the wall, but maybe this team can just change that for us.
0: Yeah, and so much for going to Corsica and hide there for a couple of a week or so before the tournament and go in under the radar. Um, it was a statement of intent last week. So, um, yeah, um, of course, they will now apply sort of finishing touches there um, and go into this tournament as, you would have to say, one of the firm favorites. Um, mm, definitely. It's one of those topics we probably will discuss later in the show. Uh, we we were talking about how open this World Cup is not so long ago, where six seven teams potentially could win the thing, but now I think that number has shrunk.
1: No, exactly. And I think the the other thing that was very apparent, and I mean, I know our New Zealand friends will not like this. I mean, they're still reading and trying to find excuses for for what happened. Um, and <laughs> and not, I mean, I mean, great. fair enough. We would be the same if it happened to the Springboks. Uh, but uh, yeah, is, is that um, New Zealand struggles? Well, at least this New Zealand team struggles when teams put a pressure game on them, cut off their oxygen, and you yeah, mm. don't allow them to get those offloads away, and, don't, and put real pressure on them with a with a with a yeah, rush defence. Um, we've seen it when they played Ireland. Uh, we we saw it, mm. uh, you know, in a in a manner when they played England at Twickenham last year when England came back to draw that game um, and and France the couple of times they played them as well I mean we've seen there are cracks in this all black uh, armour mm. they still have a very very good side we've got to say that but um, yeah, you know, if you get the game plan right against them you can really like the box that um, put them under real pressure uh,
0: yeah, I don't think especially when you look at their back line that they have the, the firepower to play through teams uh, they still have to primarily play around them and if you know, if uh, a rush defense puts the heat on them, uh, b- denies them space, then, you know, that's going to be a very difficult thing to do. Um, and also, it's, you have to say it's a very well-organized uh market defense. Um, and, of course, last week with Advali Leroux, we have to add. Um, yes. It's a man that often gets kudos for the way he organizes people. He wasn't even there. So uh, it's going to be, yeah, there's a few problems for New Zealand that they have to solve. I'm not suggesting for one moment they can't solve it. We saw... The ability to bounce back um, at Ellis Park last year, albeit yeah. on the back of a Springbok team that was much changed, but it was clear they were a better side at Ellis Park than they were in Alspite, and and they were certainly up for the fight. So um, I, I do expect them to be better, but whether they would have made all those improvements uh, come quarterfinals time, I'm not so sure.
1: No, I'm not so not sure. This, I mean, they I expect a bit of a backlash. There'll be a Knowing New Zealand like we do um yeah there'll there'll be a lot of public pressure on them this these next couple of weeks and 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 they'll be expected to bounce back and uh, it's just going to make that opening game against France all even more epic um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, i mean the 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 thing with the other thing with the All blacks that I picked up as well which which I thought worth mentioning is i mean against Ireland they went down to fourteen men and against the box they went down to thirteen men. Uh, and they were quite heavily penalized in this game at Twickenham. Um, are refs becoming wise to them? They said be not giving them the leeway that we've, we've had in mm. past New Zealand teams. Uh, and, and maybe that's just evening up matters as well. I know there's a lot of complaints and we're going to get to those complaints now, uh, about the refs, uh, from <laughs> yeah. New Zealand. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the discipline is certainly a thing that this New Zealand team, uh, has, has to improve on.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if the refs have uh, made that decision or, you know, arrive at a point where they have sort of wisened up to some of those tricks. Uh, What I will say is that given the performance and given the pressure the Springboks put them under, um, at some point those penalties had to come. I I think it took a while uh, for the ref to go to reach, well, to reach for his pocket. Let's listen quickly to, this is
1: former Scotland coach Matt Williams, who um, had quite an issue on the, on the off-the-ball podcast. Uh, but, but it does concern you, especially when you look at, you know, the way the South Africans are just abusing the bench at the moment that, that was supposedly – the bench came in, just so your listeners, that was all for safety reasons so that people didn't come on the positions they weren't trained for so we didn't have injuries. We weren't putting back rowers in the front row. You know, everything was done for a reason. You know, they played seven off the bench, you know, like seven forwards. It really? Seriously? And, and world rugby's just got to act on this. And all, all the way you fix it, is you say you must have three recognised backs on your bench, and that stops it. But right now, South Africa just you know changed the whole team, the whole pack. Now if they do that, and we're we're not up to scratch, we've got some players, they'll be found out. And so it's obvious South Africa's tactics are obvious now what they're going to do, and and we have to
0: be ready for it. You're with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell on the To the Last Drop podcast.
1: It's it's strange because it's just the timing is strange because it's the same thing as what happened after the World Cup final in 2019 with the bomb squad of 6-2 that people suggested changing the substitutes. And it it just seems instead of praising innovation and the risk Mm. that comes with the innovation, people are sort of very quick to say, no, 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 you can't do that. And it feels very colonial and very sort of uh, talking down to people that you're not allowed to be innovative.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, uh, I know there's also some complaints about uh, the rolling more, obviously the the box mold, uh really well last week. Um, but, and I, I've also read a few pieces in it that, you know, people can tend to focus on the, 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 the raw power, um, you know, of the Springbok forwards and, you know, how, how that makes a difference. But people forget about things like technique, uh, cohesiveness. I mean, uh, we mentioned earlier how experienced that Springbok pack is.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the, the, quite the other big take of the week uh, was on the breakdown where Jeff Wilson, uh, the former All Black, um, had a very unique take on it. Uh, listen quickly to what he said. You know, the, well, the great thing is for me, Paddy, though, we know exactly that was the best that the Springboks can play. That's it. We know that we can play so much better, and there's not another team in this competition coming forward that we can anticipate them will play like that. Now, to me, Je- Jeff's take is just is interesting. Saying the box can't play better than that. Yeah, the All Blacks can play better than that. I'm sure the All Blacks can. We all know they can. But you only play as well as your position. lets you play. And I think that's the mm. point he's missing. And it, he's not doing any justice to the way the Springboks play. Yeah, I, it's a very unfortunate thing. I, I think, I mean, I don't want to, we, we don't have to dwell too much. A lot will still probably come out about this. But just the news was rather shocking and, um, yeah, rather unfortunate. And unfortunately, just a downhill spiral for Elton.
0: Sorry, I had nothing to add there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fine. No, it's fine. It's... Yeah. Okay, when you come back, we'll, uh, we'll be speaking to our surprise
0: guest. You're with Brendan Nell and Liam Delcom on the To The Last Drop podcast.
1: We're back and our surprise guest is somebody who knows pretty much what goes on in the World Cup. He's a man who's won a World Cup himself and uh, knows quite well uh, the preparations for the box uh,
2: Skalk Brits. Welcome, Skalk. Thanks for joining us. Today I'm sitting here on the floor trying to manage my back as I've been pushed into a tin for 20 years of my life. Um, so, yeah, all good. <laughs> Skalk, I mean, I'm going
1: into this World Cup now. It must bring back a lot of memories. I mean, uh, do, do, does it still itch to be there? Or is, is I suppose, the back injury making making you quite happy you're not there?
2: Um, Look... I would say, Brenna, I, that that itch is still there. It is. I can't believe how quickly four years have gone, and it, of course, it brings back memories of the boys getting the capping, the sense of, and within South Africa, we've got such a passionate public support, and it's quite amazing the way the South Africans get behind South Africa. And it was, was I mean, the performance against Wales and. New Zealand was pretty spectacular, I guess. And um, so from our personal perspective, it's just great seeing the boys performing. I think it's uh, actually a better squad than in 2019, a, a lot more maturity in the squad. We've got some injuries that we didn't have in 2019, but saying that is is the boys are looking good.
0: Have you picked up uh, uh, sort of similarities between what happened in 2019 um, and, and now? I'm, I'm just thinking of the the team now is in Corsica uh, busy preparing there and we've already heard some of the players saying how oh, hot and humid it is there uh, and I recall before the Japan World Cup uh, you guys had that one game in Saitama uh, against Japan and you know the object of the exercise there was to acclimatise, get used to uh, playing in those conditions uh, just from a physiological point of view but then also to master the wet ball um, you know, can we draw parallels there? Not at all. I mean,
2: eating the, the Japanese food is quite different to the French cuisine. I would say <laughs> you get stuck into some um, croissants, uh, but it, it, I must say, and uh, there's a lot more similarities filari- uh, in France than there would be in, in Japan. I mean, just the culture is totally different. But going there, I think it's a time for the team to bond. It's time um, to 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 work on final prep. Um, for for the world cup and I think it's a it 's a good way of getting the players sort of out of the environment um and making sure that everything is set in their own ways the one The one problem was was harder if you train the, and it's fantastic to train in France, but same with Japan there is a lot of cameras around that can record training sessions particular moves now you can run things that nobody would see uh i don't think they'll send people to Corsica to videotape <laughs> training sessions. And from a team perspective, it's great just to get your mind off the game, although there will be a lot of focus going into this world on rugby, of course. But, but to do, you, do you certain things that you couldn't do um, and that you try to hide from the opposition and from other coaches and see around specific plays like you can see, uh, Rossi was and Jacques was quite creative in in the, the mauling this weekend against New Zealand. And I think there would be some, some, uh, some rabbits out of the hat coming into the will be in the World Cup.
1: One of the things Jacques said um, after the game was obviously one of the things they have to work on. It's all there's lots of positives from the All Black game, but one of the things they have to work on the fact that they were over the line were twice and tackled out twice in that opening 20 minutes, and they they finishing perhaps wasn't on the standard that they want. And in the World Cup, obviously you get less chances. So if they, if a coach says that, and I think that's always the thing that fascinates me. What is it? Does it just mean re- re- repeat, re- repeat, rinse, and repeat the whole time? Or, or how do you, how do you, in a training session, um, work on finishing, if I can put it that way? So.
2: I, th- I think that's just nitpicking. Actually, Brendan, that's just saying something. I think after a performance like that against New Zealand, giving the, the biggest whipping ever, I think from a strategic per- perspective, having a 7-1 split was genius, although the general public is not South African public, but worldwide, they're uh, complaining about it. They are throwing their toys out of their cots about how you can do that. But it's a massive risk to take. If we had two injuries in the back or three injuries in the back line, we would have been properly stuffed. Um, but because it, it counted in our favor and our people are moaning about the 7-1 splits and sp- uh, trying to focus on getting the ball down behind the line. Yes, that is something to work on, I guess. But saying that is, is, you want, as a team, you want to have as many entries in the 22 and then you look at your conversion rates. And yet, the plays were good. Sometimes, I would just say you give credit to New Zealand for having a never-die attitude. And from that perspective, they'll look at technical things, definitely from a mauling and uh, and make, making sure the blockers were in the right position to make sure that the ball carrier can get the ball down. But sometimes you have to take your hat off, even in a um, performance like that against against New Zealand. You say, "Well done, boys, awesome." But now the question is, can you keep that intensity? It doesn't help you give New Zealand a record whipping before the World Cup. It's you need your performance in the World Cup.
0: Mm. Mm. To to your mind, I mean, when you look back to 2019 and in the intervening years, uh, how the game has evolved? Do you, Do you think? the game has made a a huge leap forward. Uh, I know there's been changes to laws to make the game safer. um, But whatever those changes have been, I mean, the box seemed to have uh, coped with them pretty well. Look, Liam, the South African public wants, and, and this
2: is, I guess, everyone now that I'm a couch potato, everyone wants the box to win every game. They want the box to perform every game. And they sometimes do not understand certain selections and certain combinations, I would say. But Russia and Rock, as always mentioned, we don't really care what happens. The Lions test matches was big; that's every twelve years, and then in between World Cups, they were trying different combinations, making sure those combinations and depth is grown in a squad. People do. If I ask anyone in two thousand and eight who's won the Tri Nations back then, probably one percent can remember that. But ask people who won. The, for example, the 07 or t- uh, 2012 or 2015 World Cup, the percentage will increase significantly. And that is, I think, what Rusi and, and Jacques is focused on is making sure he's got squat depth, firstly. If a guy like Andre Pollock goes down, and w- what has happened, if Louis goes down, who's in his spot? I know, and, and certain young players putting their hands up and saying, like Moody, listen, pick Matt at 13. And oh my goodness, what a, what a revelation at 13. He's just a great rugby player and a great baller. Now you go into the World Cup. The one thing that is, I think, the most, where the biggest variable is and where it's it's breaking my mind, yes, World Rugby is trying to make it safer, but yet searching out the cause is just um, quite frustrating, I would say, and um, uh, and there's a big focus on player safety. But it's got a massive impact on the what, what happens in a game. I mean, if you take France, uh, when we played France, was it last year, with Peter Steff's yep. yellow-red uh, card, that can have a significant impact. And although they've uh, made sure that you can upgrade or downgrade a, a card that's been given, it still plays a massive part with one tackle where the Runner of the ball has dipped into a tackle. It is just that is my fear. You can have the best side, best prep, and then one millisecond of dipping into a tackle that will mean the end of your World Cup because winning a game of 40 men, as you saw this weekend, is is extremely hard
1: yeah I mean I think that's all our fears at the moment so, I mean we understand what world Rugby is trying to do, but it just seems sometimes common sense is probably not there and sometimes yeah i mean we we Emin and I chatted last week about the own feral thing and and it's hard to explain that initial decision when uh garlic like oxen Chegg gets three weeks for an accidental head touch. you know some of these things don't quite make sense to us, and it's it's struggling. and you can see somebody's World Cup could be over in four years of prep. Down the
2: drain with one, yeah, you know, one incident. Yeah, for for, for me, Brendan, you have to look at, at intent because that's a big part, and you must understand the game is fluent, moves quickly, things happen extremely quickly, and for me, intent—you can see if other players trying to rip another guy's head off, or if he's got reoccurring offences in the past, and then thirdly, you have to. In a game perspective, you, th- that can play such a big part in the outcome of a result, and that's unfortunate the way they're going. And then, lastly, I would say is the repercussions of a, of an incident. You have to have consistency with decisions. One guy can't get no weeks, and another guy get six weeks, and it's just and that's things that draft players and coaches like is crazy, and that's a coach killer as well. You've got a player that is phenomenal, and he gets, or any player in your squad, in a, in 80 minutes, and he gets a uh, a red card, and then he gets banned for the rest of the World Cup, and he's prepped for that, and there was no intense, there was a dipping of things, and I just want consistency across the board with 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 either refing how they approach the game, and secondly, on the fines that they give to players after after the incident. So you can't give one player for the same offense. One gets nothing and the other
0: one gets three or four weeks. That, of course, brings us back to um, what we spoke about earlier, and it's squad depth. Um, and you should know a thing or two about squad depth, uh, particularly in the hooking position. Um, the box are pretty well fortified in that position, but then there is a guy like Dion Fourie, um, who is obviously exceptional. He brings uh, such a vast skill set uh, to that team. Um how do you see him sort of fitting into the overall picture? Well,
2: well. firstly, Dion is an unbelievable team player. But I would say at fly-off and at hooker, this is where we would hope we don't get injuries. Um, because if you look at weaknesses within a squad, we've got ample depth in all positions. I would say outside centre is is tricky as well. Um, a guy losing am um, is a big loss. A guy like Lordy is a big loss. But if you only take two hookers on a, on hopefully it was seven games, you, you hope either Bongi or Malcolm won't go down. And although Dion is a great rugby player, hooker is quite a specific position. I think the last time he started a game was in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen at hooker. Um, maybe. Yeah, that's just where I hope luck goes our way. And you need luck to win a World Cup that you don't get injuries in such positions. And um, luck in the final when we went for, what is it, a 6-2 split. You know, Billy got injured or had a niggle. Malcolm had a niggle. Cheslin had a niggle. And they made it through the final. It was a great win, but nobody knew how close we got to those players going off the pitch. So you do need a bit of luck and hopefully... The coin will, for the first time ever, fall on us um, two ro- uh, World Cups in a row. You know we don't want to w- win. Uh, wait another twelve years before we win another one. And and in the message that I've that sort of that I've seen is is although the first World Cup or twenty nineteen not the first World Cup but twenty nineteen World Cup, the thing was focused on stronger together from a team perspective and showing that irrelevance of your upbringing, your race, your religion, everything that uh, sort of pulls us apart, that was the viewpoint of how we can get everyone together, you know, showing South Africans that we can all work together and we can succeed. This World Cup with the players, it feels more it's like we can build a legacy that can never, it's never been done before, and now it can be done. And, and I think what one thing that is amazing from the players' perspective, they've got still got the belief. And the way we play is actually focused so much on World Cups. It's not pretty. Well, it's pretty for me, but for the general public, it's not so pretty the way we play. It's a brutal game. We, we dominate in the forwards. We come hard. We tackle the living crap out of anyone that comes in our channel. And we play to our strength. Where in the past, it felt like, um, we try to play this beautiful game of New Zealand or Australia, move the ball around. Yes, now we've got the backs and the players to be exciting. But we still focus on the on the core strength of our game, and that is kicking well, mauling well, scrumming well. And we pick uh, our bench and our squad in a way that plays to our strength. Well,
1: I, I've got to ask you one thing, though. You know a lot of the players in the UK, and I mean you played there for a long time.
2: What's going on with England? Brennan, it's it's weird, right? I I mean, so I played with Steve and I was, he was my captain at Saracens, a phenomenal captain. Uh, Wiggy was, that's involved there with, he was a great player and a great teammate. So, uh, and, and by all accounts, Steve's mannerism is totally different to Eddie. Eddie is brutal. He is to the point he's, he can cut with his tongue. Um, and the only thing I can see because they've got well people disagree with me, I think they've got phenomenal talent. but it's the word belief is very hard uh, to grow in a squad um and, and that that just looks like a team that they can be extremely physical, they can be extremely good um but they' are just lacking that belief um that. That is hard to see, right? Because it's although it is opposition now, it is still there's a lot of friends of mine still playing in that squad and they've got coaches that I believe in can can get the best out of the players. So I hope, um, from my perspective, they will turn things around. It's gonna be hard. But if there's someone that can do it, I hope Steve does it. And funny enough, I, I said I, I still think England will go through to the pools. Through the pools, although they've got an easier draw. Well, everyone's got an easier draw than South Africa and Ireland and Scotland. Uh, and actually, I think Australia and, and New Zealand, uh, Australia and, and England will meet in the quarterfinals. And I still think, if you think in 07, that was a crap, uh, crap team. Not a crap team, but it was. They lacked confidence. They got a record <clears throat> loss against South Africa, but yet they made the final. And once again, I think they can, they made the last final. And I, I, I think, I hope they come right uh, this World Cup.
0: The draw certainly favors that because uh, we, you spoke earlier about the influence of a, of a red card and how things can change uh, very quickly. So you have almost have to assume that they've got a decent chance of making a semi final. And from there, you know, you could then, you know, card goes against the. Uh, a team that's more fancied, and suddenly they're in the final again, and you know, and then anything can happen. Yeah,
2: w- weirdly enough, I still think Argentina will win that pool.
0: And mm. Then, then England. Will well, come the, they England. play each other in the in the opening on the opening weekend, so that will probably determine the pool already quite early. Yeah, I, I, I do think
2: so. Uh, funny enough, I think Wales is the one uh, going into this World Cup that I feel more is more vulnerable. Although they had a decent result against England. But England wasn't firing at all. And they've got Fiji. And Fiji, I mean, just beat England. Fiji has got talent coming out of their ears. And if they've got their tails up, that's a team, if they, they get confident, they yeah. are hard to play against because you can't, you can analyze as much as you like. They can pull you apart. They've got the yeah. talent, they've got the players. And now they've got the belief they beat for the first time a first tier team. Uh, just before the World, the first time they beat in England ever at Twickenham, so that's going to be a tough team to play against come come World Cup. Um, but but one thing that I think on 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 the World Cup is people always look at the probably the first fifteen, but World Cups you need depth, and that's luckily what we've got. Um, where I feel Wales, yes, they got a great fifteen. But if they've got a couple of injuries in, uh, in certain positions, they're going to struggle.
1: Uh, who's going to be in the final with the box? Uh, and who's your dark horse? Dark?
2: Uh, so let's say final-wise, I think uh, we'll win our pool. Ireland will uh, be second. I think it's going to be – France is going to be New Zealand. So there's a lot of things that I think. I think although – I think Scotland's going to push Ireland very hard. So I'm making crazy predictions here, and I think actually Scotland will lose against Tonga, but Ireland will go through uh, with points difference uh, over Scotland, or, or I think there will be one one point difference. Then we'll play we'll play New Zealand in the in the quarters. France will beat Ireland, and then uh, the Irish public will hate me again for this because I said they're not going to get past the quarterfinal game. And then on the other side of the draw, I, I think then France will go through. France will make it to the final, and we'll play in the final.
0: It's going, to be a it's going to be a real heartbreak for Scotland, because uh, at the last World Cup, they had that last pool game against Japan, and the winners obviously would go through to the, uh, to the knockouts. And this was yeah. also in the wake of the typhoon, and there was a lot of emotion, and Japan just played the game of their life. I mean, it was just incredible. And, and Scotland were, happened to be the team they were up against. So you have to feel for the Scots.
2: Yeah, look, it's just silly. I, I, I try to be a guy with a glass of full type of mentality, but the way the pool pulls has been drawn is just ridiculous. I mean, to have the top four sides in the in one side of the draw is, is just silly. Um, but that's the way it's on. Oh, we can't do anything about it. But, so from my side, so if if I would say, being a total if I look at it from a neutral perspective, if if New Zealand or, or South Africa doesn't or, or South Africa doesn't win the World Cup, I would really hope for France or Ireland, either one of them win the World Cup, just for for World Rugby growth, that perspective. Um and then from a dark horse perspective, funny enough, the two sides that I love to watch is gonna be Fiji and Tonga this year. Tonga with a lot of other professionals have played either for New Zealand or or Australia that's in their squad now with the rule change. They're going to be exciting. They struggle on set piece. I don't think they they are – they've got just a different way of playing this game, but it's going to be an exciting game. Japan, I I think – I would love to say the Japanese because I love the culture. I love the people. But they don't have the same momentum going into this World Cup as the previous one. It's not at home – that had a bad run into the World Cup. Um, but it's nice to see Portugal. Um, and I'll probably watch Namibia. But Dark Horse, I would say Fiji.
1: Uh, Scott, just a remind us, last thing before we go, um, what are you doing nowadays other than being on the golf course a lot?
2: Uh, so I worked for RemGro for two years. So my background is accountancy. That's what I studied. Um, so I was at RemGro for t- for two years going through the private equity, venture capital, corporate finance, and internal audit side. Then I worked for a fund called Southern Red Capital, and, I, um, and all our managers, global managers. Uh, so, but although we raised and placed money from South Africa, um, I resigned in October because I was just away three days of the week and my wife was working abroad. So I've been on an extended sabbatical uh, since October, and I'll probably jump into the corporate world or into something else in beginning 2024. I'll do, be doing some work for Supersport, and I've been doing some work for Supersport and corporate engagements, but that's pretty much it, spending time with the three most or actually four most important investments in my life, and that's my three kids and my wife. So after that,
0: it's, it's been phenomenal. So if you sit down, uh, sort of on a Friday night, and let's, uh, you know, there's a, the fire going, and you have to open a bottle, what what are you most likely to open?
2: Well, there's, uh, well, not just Friday evening and Friday afternoons. There's my favourite spot to go and visit is John at Risemfriade farm down the road, and it's for me just uh, I have not had one bad bottle of Freedom in my life. So if I've got, I mean, it's just a phenomenal wine. The atmosphere there or the mm-hmm. environment is great. And for me, wh- well, I'm quite, um, I mean, I didn't grow up in Salenbosch. I, I came into school and university, and only then the love for wine started. But Liam, I must say, a blend is is great. Um, but there's, I mean, Beaufglof. I started with Biosgloof back in the day, the diesel. It's just a great wine. We, we're quite fortunate in South Africa um from a wine perspective, you pay thirty pounds for a bottle of average wine in the UK, then you come to South Africa and you pay the same amount for an unbelievable bottle of wine. So we've got so, so um such amazing wine. But you must try Damasane. If you've if um it's a uh, yeah Jean Jean what's Jean's f- f- surname? Um Jean is a wine maker. It's 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 um on the way to Yermanis, and there's some beautiful wine right. from said, Yeah, try it, it's, it's, it's great.
1: You started with uh, the rest of us started with Tussenberg. So, um,
2: <laughs> well, I wouldn't say, well, I, 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 I would, that, at that time when we started with Tussenberg, it wasn't actually the taste that, um, <laughs> that attracted me, it was more the price and how quickly I can get slaughtered as a as a young student yeah at <laughs> uh, nobody's got money when they're a student or either and so you know sometimes you just have to take the, the quickest uh and cheapest route to <laughs> to wine heaven, i guess
1: yeah no exactly um listen Scott thanks for your time it's good chatting to you and we'll probably bump into you somewhere along the world cup if you're around supersport and the,
2: the functions there but yeah Thanks for sharing uh, your insights with us. Thanks, oh, No, thank you for your time, and um, go enjoy a glass of, of wine.
1: Definitely going to open the
2: bottle now, sir. So. <laughs> Cheers, chaps.
0: Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.